So we are going to continue in Romans. We're in uh, chapter 7. We're going to be doing verses 7 through 13. And uh, I'm going to ask you guys all something to do for yourselves and to do for me as well. See, the holiday season for some of us, and I'll speak for myself, is very difficult. I'm good all year. I'm happy-go-lucky. I, I, you know, I like to joke about everything. Everything is funny. Not as funny as some people think it is, but um, thank you. Right on cue. Um, but, you know, for me, once Thanksgiving hits, my countenance just kind of automatically kind of starts to tumble. I feel it. I mean, I, I can feel it. As soon as we start talking about, and we actually were talking about it um, last night, we had dinner with Mark and Chelsea, and we were driving up, and Michelle started talking about digging up the Christmas decorations. And I, I know that time is coming, but as soon as I hear those words, my, my stomach drops, and I feel uneasy. I feel, like, just weird. I mean, I feel like, very unsettled, because the holidays for me growing up were the most tumultuous times, they were the most violent times, the most horrible times, the ugliest times that I can remember. And so for me, when we go into the holidays, it, it automatically those come back to me. So what I would say to ourselves is just be kind to your bunkie or your roommate or your housemate or your workmate, just be kind during the season, because not everybody, um, and I would probably say most of us didn't grow up in these really super duper, you know, leave it to beaver, you know, uh, Partridge family, Brady Bunch, you know, crazy families that everything seemed normal. I don't even know what normal is. You know I mean, really, what is normal? You know, I, I guess it's, it's kind of this image that we have that everything is good and everything is great. And uh, the beauty about being at church is we can talk about the grace of God. So no matter how messed up our families are, we can turn back to the stability and the grace of God. Because for some of us, that may be the only stability we've ever had in our lives. And it's a good thing to hold on to, to look forward to. And for me, I'll continue year after year to work on the, you know, the uneasy feeling. You know, I, I, I'm so much better than I used to be, but only because I know that by God's grace that um, it, it'll, the, season will go, the season will come and the season will go, and every year it gets a little bit easier, a little bit better. Um, but I think for a lot of us, some of that stuff in our life that was really bad, it takes a long time. It really does, but by God's grace, we can begin to chip away at those. So tonight, I've entitled the message, Moral Compass. So I want you to think about that term for a minute, what, what moral compass means. And I would say to you that no matter where you are, who you are in this world, whether you're Japanese, Chinese, Iranian, I mean, you know, Italian, Jamaican, wherever you are, we all have an in inerrant or built-in sense of right and wrong, amen? You know, every, somebody doesn't have to always tell you that's not such a good idea, right? We know sometimes when we're going to go do something, maybe nobody has never told you that you shouldn't do that, but you know when you're about to do what you're about to do, that's probably, it doesn't feel right, right? Nobody's ever told me that's not right, but it just doesn't feel right. 
That's that, that built-in sense of right and wrong that I think that we all have. Whether you're in Italy or the United States, we all have that built-in sense of like, ah, oh, that's probably not the right thing to do. That's probably not the best choice. You know, I like to call it the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in there saying, not a good idea. You probably shouldn't do it. Think about it before you do it. But then as we get down into the scripture, we're going to figure out that there's things that we don't understand. You know, like, think about it. When you're driving in an area that you've never been, you might say, well, what is the speed limit, right? Because you know you're smart. You all went to driver's ed, and you took a driving test, and you got your driver's license. You know there's a speed limit, right? So now we're not talking morality. We're just talking common law. Like, what is the speed limit? So you look around, and you say, hey, look, for, you know, what is the sign? You know, did the speed limit switch? You know, I know when Michelle and I were coming back from, uh, we were coming through, uh, gosh, it was the middle of nowhere, um, Winnemucca. We're going through Winnemucca. And there is, I love the GPS, go straight for 147 miles. Make a slight right and go straight for another 162 miles. It's like, holy cow. You know, the speed limit was going up and down, and at one point Michelle said, well, honey, I'm pretty sure it's not 100 miles an hour. And I looked at her and was like, oh, you're right, it's probably not. So it's not like I was breaking God's moral law. But I was breaking a law, you know, like we might say, hey, can I make a left-hand turn on a red here, or, or can I make a U-turn here? So there are common things that we may all ask that are, that are just, just the man-made laws that we know that we should do, but then there are also the bigger moral questions that we begin to ask ourselves as believers, whether I should or should not do. I love in Romans 7... 19, it says, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do is not what I want to do. So basically, the easiest way of saying it is, why can't I manage to do the things that I want to do, but I do the very things that I say that I don't want to do? I want to do this. Why do I keep doing that? So the scripture goes on to say, well, if, if that's what keeps happening, maybe Maybe it's the sin that lives within me. That's a good excuse, right? That's a good excuse. Like I share the story all the time about Dr. Goldman. No, nothing against them, but when he told me I had a disease, I was stoked. It's like I had cancer. I, 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 I just, I need to be treated. There's nothing I can do about it, you know? But then when you sit down and talk to Pastor Bill and he said, you have a moral obligation to God, a moral obligation to your family. Sin has overtaken your life. Where is your responsibility? What are you going to do? Those get into the questions of our moral compass. Yeah, I'm doing these things that are harming me, they're harming my family. So what is my responsibility in this? Why do I keep doing the very thing that I don't want to do, that I pray and pray and pray against, and I try and I try, and I can't manage to do what I want to do? Yeah, you could say, well, that it's no longer me that does it. It's all sin's fault. You know, the old, there used to be this old comedian who used to say, the devil made me do it, right? 
I, it's not my fault, it was the devil. Well, certainly you could blame the devil. Certainly you could blame your situation, your life circumstances. But there comes a point, ladies and gentlemen, where you have to say, I have the grace of God. I have the faith of God. Now it's my turn to take these tools and use them. A carpenter can have a truckload of tools, but Mark would tell you if they stay on the truck, if the level's on the truck and the hammer's on the truck and the hammer drill's on the truck and the skill saw's on the truck and the tools never come out of the truck and never make contact with the materials that have been delivered, you're never going to build a house, are you? You're going to keep saying, yeah, yeah, I got these plans right here. The architect took all this time to drum up. We got the permits. The homeowner's really excited, but gosh, where's the house? I show up every day. I look at the plans. The tools are in my truck. The materials are there. Where's the house? Well, you can do that every day for 10 years, and the house isn't just going to build itself. Amen? You have to take the tools you have been given in the Scripture and the grace of God and the favor of God, and you have to build your life. You may look at the blueprint that you set up. I want to, I want to get my kids back. I want to go to school. I want to get a good job. I want to do this. Those are the, the blueprints that the architect has helped you design. And who do you think the architect is? Who said Jesus? Give that boy a jelly bean right there. Right? So he is the author and finisher of not only your faith, but where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, sit down somewhere, quiet, and say, God, where, where am I going? He might impress on you, go finish your, go finish your degree. Get a better position at your job. Or he may just say, you know what, you're a mom. Focus on your kids. Whatever it takes to get your kids back in your life, don't worry about anything but that. And anything that will lead you away from that, forget about it. Whatever it is that's going to take you to get your kids back, I got to do parenting class, I got to do anger management, you know, maybe I have to do 52 weeks of domestic violence because I, you know, you beat your old man up or you, whatever, right? Things happen. I get it. So sometimes we have to say, I got a lot of stuff I got to do so I can do that. So you have a conversation with the architect and you say, what are we going to do? And then I promise you, he is going to give you tools. He's going to give you the tools you need to do what you need to do. The raw materials are already here. This meeting is a raw material. Right? There's resources here. The bridge, right? Genesis House. We have Latoma here from Genesis House. I mean, they offer you tools, right? Yeah. Coming into the bridge Friday. Amen. All right. So but he was given resources when he was in the hospital, right? Think about it. Like, and he decided this is what I want to do. But, and I'm not trying to pick on you, he was too sick. He weighed like 80 pounds. He couldn't walk. He couldn't eat. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't, 
you know. He was, he was on literally when they went to interview him. They sent me a picture, and they said, no, he can't even walk. He can't even stand. He can't even eat, right? But I went and visited him the other day at his program, and I met with him and his counselor, and she said, from the second he walked in the doors here, he said, I'm going. I'm going to get better, and I'm going to go to the bridge, right? So, and I'm not saying that, to like, like the bridge is like the all, end all of anything, but what it is was he knew what he wanted to do. And he knew what he had to do to get to where he wanted to be. And it's been months. It's been months of hard work and effort and phone call after phone call after phone call after phone call after phone call. I'm still here. I'm stronger. I'm stronger. I'm gaining, I'm gaining weight. I'm gaining weight. I'm eating. I'm doing this. I'm getting better. I'm, I'm detoxing. I'm, I, I, this is what I want to do. So he took those materials that those resources that were around him, Genesis House, Community Hospital, the doctors there, social workers there, working with Austin there, and, and said, I'm going to take these things and I'm going to do what I need to do to get to where I believe God wants me, right? And, and that's what he began to do. And so that's what he's doing. But that's what we all should be doing. We all know that there's an area that we want to be. There's all, we all know that there's things that we want to do and the way that we do them is we take the resources or the raw materials which are available at this church, this meeting, in this community, at the bridge, the people that God has put in your life, your house leaders, your friends, pastors, coach, you take those resources and you take those people and you take that plan that you made with the architect and you begin to work. You get out those tools and you take those resources and you start to build something better than a house. You're going to build a life. Amen? So, start in Romans. Here we go. <laughs> Sorry. So, chapter 7, verse, let me go down here. It says, well then I am suggesting that the law of God, am I suggesting the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, the law showed me my sin. Just as I said, well, well, what is the speed limit? Oh, oh, it's 65. It's not 100, right? So that showed me that I needed to slow down. So maybe, honestly, maybe you don't know checking out your neighbor's girlfriend is wrong. Right? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that sarcastically. You know, I grew up robbing my neighbors, breaking into businesses, because my dad told me, that's what you do. I robbed places all the time, businesses all the time, stores all the time, stole all the time, stole from my employers all the time, because that's what I learned. But then you start hanging around people at church, and you're like, oh, no, no, that's no. And I'm, and I'm being serious. I mean, when that's what you grow up doing, when that's what you know, and then you start going to church with your friends or your neighbors, and they're like, oh, no, no. That's, no you don't do that. But seriously, sometimes, I mean, there, I, I, will, I will say there was that moral compass going, this, yeah, this is not right. 
But when your, your parents or your dad is telling you, no, it's cool. It's cool. Don't worry about it. You're keeping the insurance company in business, right? But as a child, you, you have the moral compass nagging at you, but you have the parental figure saying it's okay. But there comes a point in time where you are you old enough and wise enough you have to say no. Whatever that was was not cool, was not right, was not proper. So I need to now learn to do things. You know, it's a bummer when you're 40 and you get sober and you're like, I have no, I, I have no sense of morality, no sense of right and wrong. I'm a yes man. I'm a pleaser. And then have to figure out, what do I stand for? What do I believe in? What do I agree with? What do I disagree with? What, is, what are my political views? What are my moral views? What are my religious views? What are my worldviews? Because when you don't have them, then you have to develop them. Then you're just like, well, what do I believe? Because really, what you believe at that point is a mixture of what everybody else believes, Right? You know, if, you're, if your buddy is a Democrat or Republican, well, why are, you a, why are you a Democrat or Republican? Well, because my friend Frank is. You know, you have to decide at some point, what do, what do I believe? You know, what does Vanessa believe? Or what does Austin believe? Or what does Latoma believe? Or what does Benny, what does he believe? What, he, what, what is he passionate about? What do I, what, what gets me out of bed in the morning? What excites me? You have to figure all those things out. And the way that you do that is you get in the scripture and you figure out what the heck is going on anyway. What is what roadmap do I need to follow or what who is going to tell me the truth about what's right and what's wrong? Because you know everybody has their own sense of morality, right? Because well it's you know it's it's only a few dollars. Right? It's only a little bit, you know. And so maybe you think, well, that's okay. It's just, you know, I only, I only stole the Coke. No big deal, you know. Well, now you have to decide for yourself what, where, where is your line? Where is your limit sign? What is your no right turn, no left turn, no you? What are your internal signs that are going to tell you don't go there, slow down, don't turn, back up? Go the other way. You have to develop all of those things within yourself so you know where you're going. And if you don't have them because you haven't lived that kind of life, you've got a lot of work to do, right? It can be overwhelming. Like, so I just believe what everybody else believes, right? Well, as your mama used to say, if you're, you know, everybody else jumped off a bridge, does that mean you're going to jump off a bridge? For me, it was, yeah, heck yeah, let's go. Right? Let's, let's, let's jump. You first. But we have to get to the point where we know, like, say, no, what, what would, remember, I don't know, they used to have these bracelets that, say, that said, what would Jesus do? Right? And so we have to ask ourselves, what would the scripture have me do? What would I have me do? How do I feel about this? And then, so sometimes it's good to say, how do I feel about this situation, right? Then grab the Bible. Then look that up and say, oh, that's pretty cool because the Bible is in line with what I just said that I think I should do, right? But if you look up something and you say, well, it's way out of line with what I think I should do, then you have to really think about, 
am I viewing that situation correctly? You know, am I viewing it just through selfish eyes, or am I viewing it through eyes because that's what I want? Because you know how it is when we want something, right? You want it. You want it, and you're going to keep on looking at it day after day. And now, with, with the way the phones are, it's crazy. Like, I told Michelle at her mom's house, hey, it'd be cool to have a recliner. That was it. Kid you not, within hours, both of us are getting just bombarded with ads. Home Depot, Lowe's, Ashley's, this and that, and Macy's. And it's like, holy cow! Right? So imagine doing those things with, with your life and getting good input. Then it's like, this is awesome. You know, now everybody's giving me good advice, good input. They're supporting me. They understand me. They're loving me through it. They're helping me get to where, you know, if we take Latoma, he, he reached out to the people of the hospital who cared. And they helped him get to the next point, and they cared, so they contacted us to help him get to the next point. All he simply said was, these are the things I want for my, I want, I want to get into faith. I want a relationship with Jesus. This is what I want to do. So the people in his life and the place he was at, that wasn't, that's not necessarily their main focus. So let's help this guy get to where he needs to go. Let's find out where there are resources and tools to get him where he feels like he wants to be. But that's not unique for him. That's for anybody. That's for all of us. Where do I want to be? Where do I need to be? And what are the resources I need to find to get to where I need to be? And if you don't know, honest to God, ask, ask me, ask Vanessa, ask Susie, ask Michelle, ask Allison, ask Coach, ask probably most of the people in this room. And they're going to they're gonna do whatever they can to get, you, to get you the resources that you need so you can do the things that you need to do to make the honest to God changes in your life so you can be that man or woman that God had intended you to be when you were born, right? That the world got in the way of, that you got in the way of, that your passions or your desires took you away from your true focus or purpose in life. And we can get back there. So it says, you must not covet, but sin uses this command to arouse all kind of covenant, covenant desires within me. Sometimes you're not even thinking about something, and then they're saying, don't covet. Now, all of a sudden, you realize, oh, man, I'm coveting all kinds of stuff. I'm coveting my, my, my best friend's boyfriend, or I'm coveting that car, or I'm coveting those clothes, or I'm coveting that job. I didn't even know it was wrong, but now that it's being pointed out, I realize that I'm doing it. It's like when you go buy a new car, you're like, hey, I'm going to get this car. This is a cool car. Nobody has one, right? Nobody has a white F-150, right? So you go and you buy. You save your money. You, you go get a white Ford F-150. You drive off the lot, and you're sitting there waiting to turn out of the, out of the dealer. And there goes like 12 white F-150s. Boom, boom. Like, everybody has one. It's crazy, right? Isn't it? It's like, oh, like, I thought I was, you know, so it's coveting. Oh, you shouldn't covet. Then you're thinking, oh, I guess I do covet. So it does bring up things. It does, and it's not bringing up things so that it'll 
cause you to covet. It brings up things so you think, oh, actually, I do that. Actually, some of the things I do, I probably shouldn't be doing. I should be focusing on what I have and the things that I need to get to where I'm going. And if that guy or that girl or that new Ford F-150 aren't on the list of the things that you need to get to where you're going, then probably not the best idea right now, right? If you're trying to get your kids back, probably a new boyfriend right now is probably not the best thing, you know? It's probably not, because he's not going to have the same desire. Oh, oh, she wants to get her five kids back. Oh, oh, that's not what I want. That's going to be no fun. We're never going to get to hang out. We're never going to get to do anything. All them kids, I don't even like kids. You know, of course, they're not going to tell you that right out the gate, are they? I love kids. You know, my brother, um, I was having a conversation with him. He was telling me, hey, I met this girl. She had nine kids? Nine kids. Nine kids. And I'm like, Paul, you hate kids. (laughs) No, Michael, I love kids. And she had one of her kids was a little, a little slow, a little special needs. And he kept pestering my brother while he was on the phone with me. Just pestering him. And I was just like, oh. And he's telling me how much he loves children. And then pretty soon he's like, dude, if you don't get away from me, I'm going to stab you in the face with a pencil. I'm like... Did you just say that to your, one of your fiancé's nine children? Dude, if you don't get away with me, I'm going to stab you in the face with a pencil. You don't like kids, right? So maybe that new boyfriend or that new girlfriend is not the thing that you need while you're trying to focus on your children, amen? Or you're trying to focus on your education or going back to NPC or CSUMB or going into a trade school. Maybe you just need to do it solo and focus on Numero uno. Maybe it just needs to be you for a while. Maybe you need to be a little bit selfish and curb some of your needs or some of your desires and say, it's just me. And when I get to where I want to be, and if that's what God wants, then I can make room in my life for somebody that's going to love my kids, not say they're going to stab them in the head with a pencil, right? He didn't stab them in the head with a pencil, so um, nobody needs to, like, call CPS or anything and, you know... Um, but sometimes we just have to do what God wants us to do alone. Like, God, what is it I need to do to get back into school, or what is it I need to get into a relationship back with my family, or get my kids back? What classes do I have to take, or what court do I need to do, or what do I need to do? And do those things, and let God work those things in your life. And just ask him, what is it I need to do to do those things? Amen? All right. Verse 10, it says, and so I died, so I discovered that the law's commandments, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me and used the commands to kill me, but still the law itself is holy, and its commandments are right and holy. So it's not those things, it's, it's just those things that bring things to light in our life that we need to that we need to be aware of, that we need to watch out for, that we need to... Like, it makes us aware of maybe some of our shortcomings, right? 
if you go do, uh, like I'm going to do a Spartan race on, I thought it was like in a few weeks, but I guess it's Saturday, uh, doing a Spartan race on Saturday. Um, so when I get to that obstacle, it's going to make me realize, hey, you can't use all of your physical body like you used to be able to. So you're not going to be able to dive over that thing. So it's going, that it's going to make you realize some of your limitations. But then I have people, you know, Bridge Napa, and all those guys are going to be there. They're saying, we'll help you. Well, I'm proud. I don't want help. Right? No, I'll do it. You know, I did a Spartan race a while back with my daughter, and there was like nine obstacles. I think I was able to, by myself, do like three of them. Um, everybody offered to help me, but I do have I I I, I do have some pride there. You know, I'll do I'll do the ones I can do. I don't want to be the guy that's being lifted over the thing. Like, hey, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> that guy's like, look at look at that guy. He's lame, man. There's all of his friends have to like. He can't even hop over the fence. His friends have to pick him up and put him over the fence. But, but I want you to think about it. That's my problem. Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord, that are people in your life that are willing to pick you up and put you over a fence. Right? Think about it. So I need to allow some of that and get some of my own pride out of the way and say, okay, I don't really care these people that I don't know that I'm never going to see again really care about me. Amen? Why should, why should that bother me? Well, it bothers me because I, have, I, I, because I think we all have a certain sense of pride that we want to do it, that I can do it, right? But there are times when we have to put some of that pride out of the way. Am I going to come up here next week and say that I let them carry me over here? No, 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 no. That's just not going to happen. But I will do my best to allow as much help as I can because you have to realize that the person that's helping you, they're blessed. If somebody says, let me help you out, and you let them help you out, they are being blessed by God because they have the ability to be able to help you. If you say no, you are denying them. You know what I'm saying? You are denying them a blessing that maybe God had for them, you know? If somebody says, hey, you know what? Let me help you. Let me you know what? I want to help you. I want to put tires on your car. I really do. I have some extra money. God has been good to me. I want to bless you. I want to put some tires on your car so that you're safe with your kids in your car. And you're like, oh, you're too proud. No, 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 no. Think about it. You just robbed that person who was able to do something because God blessed their life. You're, you're robbing them of being able to bless you, right? So we shouldn't do that. And I'm not, I'm not saying if you're, you know, if you have don't run out to your car after the meeting and say, yeah, my tires are kind of low and start telling everybody about it, right? <laughs> Let people bless you because they want to bless you, amen? But when we're doing the things of God and we're following his commandments and we're trying to do what's right and we're trying to understand what's right and we're trying to follow the right direction, these blessings come into our life. And we need to be open to them. We need to allow them, you know? Because when I want to bless somebody with something, it's like it really stinks when they don't allow you. No, 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 you know, you're not going to do it. But to them, they get to bless you. You know, there were, there were times when Michelle and I had so little money that we would have never, ever, ever taken a gift card from somebody. We would have never taken cash. 
But there were times that we got home from church where there were so many groceries piled up in front of our door, we had to go around to the back door and open the front door to start working them into the house because we couldn't even get to the door. You see what I'm saying? So the person that was able to bless us was blessed. And we were blessed because we, it was like, hey, we're not going to have rice again tonight. Or, you know, it's not ramen for night 17. That's okay when you're a freshman in college, right? But when you're trying to raise a family and it's top ramen again, it gets kind of old. So, verse, it says, how, how, but how can that be? Did the law which, which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to try to bring about my condemnation to death. So how can we, excuse me, so, excuse me, so we see how terrible sin really is and use God's commandments for its own evil purposes. So evil has a purpose, and its purpose is to, to take you away from what God has for your life. God's commandments and God's law have a purpose. The purpose is to guide you and direct you and be that stop sign, the yield sign, the speed limit sign, the, the no U-turn, the crosswalk, all of these things to cause us to do things correctly. You know, I shouldn't do that, or I shouldn't go there, or I shouldn't do that. And sometimes when we think, oh, man, there's just so much I can't do. No, there's so much you can do. When you're in jail, you can't do nothing, right? When you're in jail, you can't do anything, right? All you can do is wait for, hopefully, for, uh, for commissary, right? Right, commissary, right? But, but I want you to even think about this, Okay? Because if those of you who haven't been in jail, let me explain to you, and those of you who have been in jail, you understand, right? You think it's cool because we're going to have pizza today. No, you're not. You're going to take a bunch of ramen, a bunch of Cheetos, a bunch of sriracha, a bunch of like little weenie dogs and cut them up with a little plastic fork, right? And you're going to press all this stuff together into something that you convinced yourself looks like a pizza, and you're going to eat it, and you're going to pretend, oh, I'm eating pizza. <laughs> no, what you're doing is a, an imitation of what you could be having. See what I'm saying? So that's the lie that you get sold by the enemy, right? You're going to take all this good stuff, you're going to put it together, and you say, oh, we're having pizza. no. <laughs> No, it's a spread. It's not pizza. It doesn't taste like pizza. It doesn't, it's not crispy like pizza. It's not warm like pizza. It's not cheesy. The dust from a Cheeto is not cheese, right? <laughs> oh, look, a pepperoni. No, a, a, a fake hot dog with Cheeto dust is not a, is not a pepperoni pizza. Right? It's a poor imitation of what God has for you. So stop settling for the poor imitation and get the real thing. Stay out of custody. Go see Jasmine at Mountain Mike's and buy a, right? You know how, how proud I was the other night when I called Mountain Mike's? And I'm like, and I knew it was her, but I, I didn't want to put her on the spot. And I'm, ta I'm ordering. 
And she's like, is this Mike? And I said, J- is this Jasmine? <laughs> I said, it is. And I need the largest, what's called a mountain. I need a mountain, double pepperoni, double bacon. Right? I'm not sitting in county with Cheeto dust and ramen and little wiener dogs cut up. No, I'm ordering a Mountain Mike's double pepperoni, double bacon. Because that's got real cheese. Amen? So, moral of the story. Take what God has for you, the real, the original, the genuine, and enjoy it. Allow the people that God has put in your life to bless you, to help you, to be there to lift you up or pick you up, right? And I know when I'm doing this part, I'm like, ah, oh, you're going to, I have to let you lift me over this one because if I don't, I won't have anything to talk about on Monday. Um, But don't believe, I could always find something to talk about. Um, But allow God to work in your life. Allow God to use these laws and these rules to guide you and direct you to be your moral compass so that you can do the things that are just and right, things that you can be proud of, things that don't keep you awake at night, things that don't keep you looking in the rearview mirror, things that don't keep you looking in the mailbox for warrants coming in, right? To live that life, hey, nobody's after me. I don't owe anybody. I don't have any warrants out. Nobody's trying to get me. There's no bill collectors after me. I'm, I've, I've handled what I need to handle. And it feels good, amen? And that's what it's about. And that's what the commandments and the laws of God do, that we have that built-in moral compass and we take the laws of God and we allow him to guide and direct us and help us get to where we need to be, amen? So I'm gonna have Pat come back up. Yeah, all right. Oh, hey, all the Bridge residents into the Welcome Center after we're doing our Christmas picture as soon as Pat's done here. So, Lord, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for bringing these laws and guidelines into our life, Lord, to better guide us and direct us, and guide and direct us into a better relationship with you. So we pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name.